Today's episode of the Hot 4 podcast is sponsored by SSV Limited. From tanks to full brew houses, SSV Limited has got you covered. In just five short years, SSV Limited have established themselves as your go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery. High quality tanks, parts, brewing kit, knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion. Their online part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to ensure your brewery is kept up and running with the majority available on next day delivery. Visit their web shop on store.ssvlimited.co.uk. That's store.ssvlimited.co.uk and place your order today. This is Nick Law, and you're listening to the Hot Forward Podcast, getting you ahead in the brewing and beer business. Hotforward.beer is a podcast and website dedicated to the beer industry, supporting budding beer entrepreneurs by gaining insights from experienced brewers and folk within the craft beer industry. So grab a glass, pour yourself a beer, and let's get into this week's episode. Hello Fuggle friends, Sabro sisters and Cascade comrades and welcome to another session of the Hot Ford podcast. Back in 2004 I worked as a buyer for a building company. It was my first real full-time job having resisted the humdrum of the 9 to 5 work life in favour of being a penniless sitar player. My former boss Dave was larger than life. He often commanded conversation probably by his excessive use of the phrase, do you know what I mean? He was also larger than life in more ways than one, most likely as a result of his drinking habits. Every lunch, without fail, he and several colleagues would venture to the small pub across the road, down several pints, play the slot machine and return to work somewhere between on time and home time. I would rarely go with them, Not because I didn't enjoy a lunchtime pie, because I did, but because, quite frankly, I couldn't keep up. I vividly remember one occasion when I was foolish enough to go with them. Dave offered to buy me a pint of Guinness. No sooner had our pints arrived and I'd taken my first swig, Dave had slurped down the entire thing in one gulp, turned to me and said in his quick-fired manner, Do you want another one? Before I could answer, he quickly turned back to the barman and said, Get us another pint each, do you know what I mean? Three or four pints later, I floated back across to work and spent the rest of the day in a sluggish malaise, not getting much work done. I've never been a lightweight, but Dave was in a league of its own when it came to drinking pints. I would hate to be his kidney and liver nearly 20 years on, if he's still alive and kicking, that is. Of course, it's easy to look down your nose at someone like Dave for downing four pints of Guinness in an hour from the craft beer high horse. But if I'm consuming a 10% 440ml imperial stout over the same period of time, then I've just about matched Dave's units of alcohol in one fell swoop. And let's face it, by imperial stout o'clock, chances are you've already built up to that momentous occasion with a few IPAs already. Whether you're a casual drinker, craft beer connoisseur or beer swilling Barney Gumble type, we can conveniently gloss over the medical advice and health warnings in favour of an it'll never happen to me attitude. Although I personally and many friends of mine throughout the industry would never subscribe to that kind of chug, chug, chug culture found in various trades and pockets of life, as a brewery professional and beer fan, I'm no less prone to drinking and enjoying beer 
albeit more infrequently but in shorter, stronger measures, as much as the stereotypical see you at the bar types. Working around beer all day and thinking about the end product, whether you're brewing it, designing labels for it, consulting for a business that sells it, dispensing it or marketing it, makes you damn thirsty by the end of the day. But how should we adopt healthy beer consumption habits, not only for ourselves, but by actively promoting beers to drink, not to be drunk? Alcohol-free beer seems like the obvious choice, but for many, the beverage in question has been a sickly, worthy experience to be avoided like the plague. Fortunately, these days, you don't have to look very far to find an award-winning craft beer that just so happens to be alcohol-free. One such brewery, which has won numerous awards across the globe and has raised over half a million in a recent crowdfunding round, is none other than UK-based Big Drop Brewing Co., Long-time listeners of the Hot Ford podcast will remember that our third ever episode was with head brewer Johnny Clayton. If you haven't listened to that episode, check out the show notes, click on the link and take a listen for yourself. But this week's discussion is a continuation and a deeper dive into the big drop story with the company's founder and CEO, Rob Fink, who, in the pursuit of being the 21st century dad, laid aside lunchtime pints and sought an alternative. Given that a decent alternative didn't exist, he and his old school friend James Kindred, an acclaimed designer, set about creating their own. So before we talk about everything from alcohol-free beer to pub culture, it's time for this week's... Okay, it might seem a little counterintuitive to be giving a shout out to a brewery whose beer I'm going to crack open and taste, especially given that the beer in question is 9.3%. But the brewer in question once brewed the best 0.5% ABV New England IPA I've ever tasted, which I got to try straight from Tank during a collab we did in the summer of 2018. And secondly, it's my podcast. So I'll do whatever the hell is I want. So there you go. Um, today's brewery shout out goes to my good friends over at Sheffield's Triple Point Brewing. Triple Point are a fantastic brewery creating, I think, some outstanding beers, especially when it comes to lager styles. Uh, just before lockdown, I visited the owner, Mike Brook, who treated me to some of their barrel aged lagers, which were absolutely incredible. And they brew a good range of beer styles, everything from IPAs, um, American Reds and that kind of thing. But I've got with me today their New World Tripel, which is 9.3% ABV. So uh, I was just looking on their website, actually, before I crack this open. I've not had this before, saying that they cultivated the Tripel Carmelite yeast from a handful of bottles and so that went into this three-stage fermentation. Um, so you go on their website, which is triplepointbrewing.co.uk. You can you can find the blog. They post the fermentation graph and everything. It's really interesting, actually. Uh, they talk about all the different hop varieties, um, you know, what makes a tripel, the yeast, the malts and stuff and so on. So um, I am confident before I've opened this that this is going to be good. I mean, the labeling of itself is just very nice looking, um, very clean branding. And everything. So I'm going. I'm going to open this and try to not get my mic wet. Oh, 
that's beautifully clear says on the back of the can that it is a triple strength ale with candy sugar new world hops and caramelite yeast beautifully balanced explodes with pineapple passion fruit peach and pear aromas well it's fruity so let's uh, let's try this like i say it's, it's such golden clear color beautiful head hang on wow i mean oh my word wow <laughs> I know Alex can brew a good beer. He's a master brewer, but I mean that's just fantastic. Oh, I'm, wow, it's so complex. I mean, you hit with those like kind of pineapple-y flavour up front. It's not over the top. You get that kind of tripelli fruity tang, but it's again nothing is like extreme. It's all really well balanced. I mean, that is just exceptional. Utterly exceptional. I just find it hard to believe that they sell beers like this in my local butchers. But they do. What an age we live in. So, I would highly recommend that you try out Triple Point Brewing, um, whether you're from Sheffield or not, if you haven't had a chance. Um, if you spend £50 on their web store and enter the code OVER50 at the checkout, you get free delivery as well. And they're one of the few breweries I've come across throughout lockdown that do mixed cases. Um, so that's utterly fantastic. You can get a mixed case, try lots of different beers. Uh, some of the ones I've got, they've got lagers. Make sure you get those. Um, cryo, which is a big cryo hopped pale ale. I've had that before. That was really good. And they do mini kegs and mini casks as well. And you can get a case of Stronger Stuff, which is, as it sounds, the Stronger Beers, including the New World Tripel. So check them out. It's triplepointbrewing.co.uk. Can't recommend their beers enough. And as per usual, before we crack open today's episode, make sure you follow us at Hot4Beers on social media and connect with us on LinkedIn. Join our Facebook group. We've got a growing community of brewers and beer professionals. If you just type in Hot Forward, you'll find the Facebook group. You're more than welcome to join us there and discuss anything from beers, brands and business and make sure you visit hotforward.beer to see a sample of work that we're doing. I do need to update this website. It's kind of like I'm so busy working on other people's websites and branding at the moment that I've not had much chance to do mine. Uh, but make sure you go there. There's some examples of the work that we, the Royal We, do with brewers, bars, bot shops and other beer-related businesses uh, to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. And make sure you check out uh, some work that I've just finished that i am very very proud of at loxleybrewery.co.uk so i've been working with loxley brewery for about a year great little brewery in sheffield and i've just done their website and rebrand and i'm really pleased with it so i'll encourage you to go check that out and see my handiwork right there as an example so there you go right so while i polish off this 9.3 percent uh triple uh we're going to get into today's episode with rob fink from big drop brewing co talking all about alcohol free beers today on the hot four podcast i'm joined by rob fink founder and ceo of big drop brew co hello hello how are you doing i'm um, all right thank you how are you 
Good, good. I'm all right. As discussed uh, with you a moment ago, I'm a bit tired with my young kids and lockdown, but generally speaking, I'm absolutely fine. <laughs> good. Um, so can you give us a little bit of background on yourself and how you got into the drinks industry uh, before we look at Big Drop Brewing Company? Uh, yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, so my background is as a lawyer um, for my sins, um, albeit I was, I think, one of the good guys. Um, I used to sue insurance companies when they didn't pay claims. Hey, so the best kind of lawyer. <laughs> it, was, it was good. It was good, honest work. Um, but I had um, set up my own law firm in the city um, back in 2010 uh, with one other guy. Um, and um, it, it went very well. It was, it's still going. It's a very good, well-respected law firm. Um, but... Um, the, the general split of work between me and the other chap was that he would do uh, just just solid legal work, whereas I would do a lot of the, the business development, mm. uh, the networking and the client management. And to be frank, in the city of London, in insurance or in the sector of insurance, that largely meant um, going to the pub. Um, so I would get into the office at seven or eight, do five, six hours work uh you know slaving over a hot keyboard as it were uh and then and then head to the pub and literally i've always thought it quite funny that most people in most industries will swear swear blind to you that their industry is the the heaviest drinking industry the party hard industry and i always say no you've not seen anything until you've seen a lloyd's underwriter propping up the bar in Leadenhall market at one o'clock on a friday afternoon because <laughs> they hollow legs they just have hollow legs and so there was there was a lot of boozing which quite frankly was good fun for quite a long time um i'd worked in the city from about 2002 um yeah set the firm up in 2010 um but then in 2014 we had our first son um who is now nearly six and i decided after a while to just knock the booze on the head completely and and i don't think i had a drink for about six months because you know i wanted to be a 21st century dad i wanted to change nappies and give him baths and put him to bed and you know support your wife when there's midnight feeds going on and all this sort of stuff but if you've just stood in a pub all afternoon and drunk you know, knocking on double digit pints, mm. then that's, uh, that's pretty tough. That's pretty tough. So, yeah. um, so I just stopped. I do, you know, I, this is the slightly shorter version, but, um, I sort of tried to not drink as much for a while or just have a couple of pints or, you know, alternate with a lemonade, but I just, just was quite difficult. The, like there's quite a lot of peer pressure actually to keep drinking. But what was interesting was as soon as I stopped drinking, and then told people why I wasn't drinking. Everybody was really, oh, yeah, oh, that's great. Oh, that's really good call. Yeah, no worries at all. That's absolutely fine. No one had an issue with it. Um, so anyway, yeah, I didn't drink for about six months. Um, but then what I always say to people is that if, if, you, if you stop drinking or you decide, you know, you're really not going to drink much at all for, for whatever period of time, then you probably would avoid the pub. You wouldn't. You wouldn't go out if you say to yourself, "I'm not going to drink beer anymore," for whatever reason. You'd probably try and avoid the pub. Yeah. You know, you might you might go if you wanted to see your mates or whatever, but you wouldn't you wouldn't make a beeline for it. But for me, it was my job. 
a, a, a huge part of my job was actually not just going to the pub for an hour, but it was going to the pub for many hours most days of the week. Um, so I ended up drinking uh, the the mass-produced uh, lager that, that we don't mention by name that's available in all pubs, although we're working on it, hmm. um, because, you know, I didn't want to drink, I don't drink, coke anyway i didn't want to drink lemonade you can't stand there with a pint of orange juice all afternoon and you can't drink coffee if you're propping the bar up so i buy, buy two bowls of those and pour them into a pint glass and that's what i ended up drinking but i do like craft beer i'm not i, I don't think i'm a craft beer geek or a nerd nor there's anything wrong with that but i just like decent beer and i'm stood in these pubs in london and obviously we had the over in the uk the craft beer revolution back in whatever year you say it started but you know say from 2004 onwards sort of thing so uh, you know you can you can get pale ales and stouts and belgian beers and wheat beers and sour beers and any beer you want to shake a stick at and you can get it from all around the world all different strengths until you ask for an alcohol free beer and then you get served the same thing mm. almost without exception Back in 2014, I'm not drinking what alcohol-free beer. I mean, you don't even say what alcohol-free beer have you got, as you might do now. You just said, I'll have a, you know, insert brand here, and that's what you've got. And I just thought to myself, well, this is a bit rubbish, because actually I don't want to drink. I, I don't really, lager's not my preferred style of beer anyway. I don't I don't mind, I'm nothing against lager, but I prefer dark beers and, and pale ales. I just thought, why is nobody... Why, why the question for me was why has craft beer ignored alcohol-free beer? That that was that was the question, and I couldn't find an answer anywhere. The only reason I could come up with was that most people who start breweries don't start breweries to brew alcohol-free beer. They mm. start breweries because they want to brew alcoholic beer, and so alcohol-free beer had just been left behind. So I thought, let's let's give it a go. <laughs> so I had I had absolutely zero experience of a brewing or b the beer industry or the drinks industry like nothing i was professional services mm. that was the background and then i thought yeah let's start an alcohol free brewery that sounds like fun so you have this moment where you're like i could do this like th then what you know because it's like for well, some I people it's, it's like <laughs> you've got a good idea you know it's like oh, oh that's a great idea and then it always it just ends but then there are certain personality types of which you sound like one where it kind of tips over from just being a great idea to like a kind of like an obsession of like, I have to do this. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it certainly wasn't, I certainly didn't think I could do this. I, I think I thought I, it was, the question was, why has no one else done this? Um, and, you know, can it, can it be done? And And then, so this was, so I, so my eldest was August, 2014 and i probably so i probably stopped drinking towards the tail end of 2014 and then it was 2015 so i must have spent you know a year looking into it all all the while of course with a with a baby boy and a business that i was trying to m manage and build up anyway mm. so it was very much in the spare time you know it was you know literally a lot of googling how do you make alcohol free beer how do you make beer? You know, <laughs> how do you sell beer? 
what is beer? You know, just <laughs> some really quite big questions going into Google and then just getting the information out and, um, and just trying to build a, a picture of, of what it might look like. Wow. So what were some of the challenges then you faced in those early days? When you got to the point where you were like, okay, I, you know, need someone to produce this beer for me. Um, like just just walk us through the whole process. What what were the challenges? What what, yeah. what were the big epiphany moments? That kind of thing. It was. I think I worked. I think I, I I worked out reasonably quickly that in theory it could be done, and I worked out in theory that there was a market for it because the way I sold it to my wife when I eventually quit the law was look. You know, there's there's always been alcohol-free beer. You, you know, I, I can never remember what the statistics are off the top of my head, but, you know, just in the UK, there are millions and millions of bottles of alcohol-free beer sold every year before any of this big drop or craft alcohol-free beer stuff came along and everyone started talking about it. They were, they were churning out millions and millions of bottles. If there wasn't a market for it, they wouldn't make it. Simple as that. So what I said, what I said to myself was, okay, think about what the position was before the, and I know I sort of used the air quotes around the phrase, but you know, before the craft beer revolution, you know, when I used to work in a pub when I was 18 in the mid nineties and, you know, it was a decent pub, but you walked in and you could get Carlsberg, Lauenbrau, Guinness and Strongbow. Mm. That was it. That pub today the spread eagle in ipswich is is a craft beer pub owned by a brewery called grain brewery and it sells fantastic like unbelievable beer and and it was craft beer revolution that that did that so what i said was look if we can do for alcohol free beer what craft beer did for beer then there is a business here yeah that there is there is enough volume already being consumed i don't even need to create more drinkers i don't need to create more volume I just need to take 1% of whatever's being sold at the moment, and that's enough. So in theory, that was fine. But the big challenge, the, the, you know, and I'd, I'd already set up a business, so I knew how to set up a business. You know, I'm, I'm a lawyer, so I know all that. That, yeah. that stuff is the bit that I found easy. That wasn't the difficult stuff. The difficult bit was, right, well, how do we make it? That's that's the first question. How, how do you make it? Um, and as as you all have discussed with with our brewer johnny um previously there's various methods of brewing alcohol free beer um but a lot of them require expensive kit so mm. you've got techniques like reverse osmosis where you're essentially filtering beer it's like kidney dialysis you just filter blood and take out the bad stuff yeah but with reverse osmosis you're filtering beer and taking out the alcohol um then you've got vacuum distillation where you are heating the beer albeit in a vacuum so you heat it at a much lower temperature but the alcohol evaporates at a lower temperature than water so you're left with the beer but not the alcohol um but all of those things require insanely expensive equipment so i'm sort of at this point i'm going around in circles a little bit because i'm like right well i can't afford to buy this kit you know i can't even afford to i can't afford to build a bog standard brewery let alone a brewery with some expensive bit of kit on top of it um and then probably the big the big epiphany the big piece of luck um was i eventually found 
because of course the other thing was on the basis that I knew I couldn't build a brewery, I knew I would have to contract brew. Um, and of course, back then I didn't know what contract brewing was, but after some solid Googling, I found out what it was. And I was like, right, okay, we'll, get, <laughs> we'll get somebody else to make the beer for us. Of course, genius. But in the, in the UK, there, I'd say there still is probably a real dearth of really good quality breweries that are able to do very small runs mm. of, of beer. And of course, you know, most places you're talking about minimum runs of 10,000 litres. So 30,000 bottles. And it's like, right, well, I don't even, I, I can't sell 30,000 bottles <laughs> yeah. of alcohol free craft beer. Um, so eventually we found a, a small brewery in um, Bermondsey called U Brew, which I think is, is still going. Um, and, and they, I think, had had, in my view, a very good idea, which is um, they had really small pilot kits, so about 40 litre pilot kits, and then a 700 litre uh little little kit that could produce you 700 litres of beer and they would you would pay them a fee and they would send it off get it packaged and labeled and send it back so i trooped over there to bermondsey to have a chat with these guys because 700 litres i thought okay i can that's you know worst case scenario i can probably get through that in a year myself <laughs> so you know that's 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 okay so i went over to see them and i said yeah look this this sounds this sounds like really good solution for me still got a problem though which is that i don't know how to brew beer let alone alcohol free beer um and and it was one of those moments where they just said oh well why don't you have a chat with johnny and uh pointed over into the corner at the sort of wild-haired big bearded guy with his head in a in a fermenting vessel sounds like uh, most brewers <laughs> yes yeah, so, yeah exactly yeah and i looked at him and i said I don't, i've never met a lot of brewers in my time but you look exactly how i expect a brewer to look so well <laughs> well done johnny you're ticking that box already for me um and i had a chat with him and i'd already actually by then i'd already um emailed a couple of um brewing consultants of of whom there are more than a few kicking around and some of them had had actually just turned around and said yeah we we might be able to do it but we're not going to because we don't want to take your money because you're an idiot you know in, in, <laughs> they didn't call me an idiot but you know they put it more nicely than that but johnny actually looked at it and i talked to him and he and i think he was he was intrigued and he said yeah no let's let's do this and what i said to him i knew he was the right guy because i said to him what i want to do is i want to make a, a great tasting alcohol free beer and he said no 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 what you want to do is you want to make a great tasting beer that happens to be alcohol free. And I was like, ah, right. Yes. There you go. Right. You're on board. Come on then. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I said to him, uh, let's go. And I wanted to make a stout first. That was the first beer that we ever did was the stout. Um, because I just, I like stout and I could not find for love nor money an alcohol free stout. Mm. And so that was, that was another quite fortuitous perhaps moment because what Johnny said was, well, let's do a milk stout. Let's make a milk stout and then we can use lactose. I'm probably getting it. I'm getting ahead of myself. But, you know, as you know, milk stout, perfectly traditional, well-respected style of beer. Um, but the lactose gives it that body that um, it, it might otherwise miss with the alcohol at such a low level. And then he, because we didn't have the kit, we didn't have the reverse osmosis, we didn't have vacuum distillation. So he has... And I know you've talked to him about this on on a different podcast, so I won't repeat it. But well, not that I could because I still don't really understand it. But <laughs> uh, he he's sort of perfected this technique of just brewing to strength at 0.5, uh, 
um so we don't need we don't extract the alcohol after the event yeah and then that was and then that was kind of all the pieces in play really that was that was everything ready to go yeah so johnny's still with you isn't he he yeah no he uh he works for us now full-time as as head brewer chief scientist uh and wrangler of all things alcohol free yeah mm. and where's where are you where are your beers made now uh so we brew we brew at various breweries around the world now so we brew at four pure in bermondsey yep. who do uh, it's generally split by packaging so they do the cans a uh, brewery called hepworth's in sussex does the bottles and a brewery in devon called powder keg does our kegs um and then we've just started brewing in melbourne with a brewery called brick lane um because we're going into australia from july and then we will be brewing at a brewery uh, in Toronto called Equals. Oh, amazing. Uh, Supply Canada. Um, and talks with the Chicago Brewery are ongoing. They're doing their R&D brews uh, in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah, very much spread around the world now. Amazing. Well, while, while we're talking about the stout, I've got, I've got it in front of me. So thank you very much for sending me some beers. No worries. Um, I'm not going to lie. I've had this on many occasions before, so I'll, I'll probably won't sound. I'll try and sound like surprised, like I've never had it. Um, but we'll do a bit of a. Uh, yeah, do you know what? Yeah, I might have a little bit. Do a bit of a, a virtual tasting and all that. This, this is this is our baby. This is. Um, I have a couple of big drop beers that I prefer, but this one will always be our baby. Um, I must confess, the first time I had it, I was absolutely blown away. Because again, like I, I love stouts, and yeah. um, I was so excited to try it. I was like an alcohol-free stout, or, or <laughs> you know, that's that's. I wonder what that's like, and you know, just the, there's so much flavour in it, and mm. so much mouthfeel. Yeah, and I did um, I did dry January back well back in January obviously, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and um, yeah, I, I must confess the, the the stout was one of the the go to beers that that got me through that Good. that period. Um, yeah. You know, um, so I mean, how 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 far has this beer come since it was first sort of conceived? Like, is it is it developed much, or is it still pretty true to what it was? The, the stout, particularly specifically the stout, I think hasn't changed at all. Um, right. It's um, I'm just I'm just trying to think through the range as to what has changed and not. But certainly the stout, I think Johnny did. What did we do? Six or seven iterations, and then we we got them all together. We tried them all, obviously. Um, there wasn't a huge amount of difference between them. And to be honest, it was one of those ones where I was just like, you've just nailed it. You know, first, first go, you've got this, this, mm. this is bang on. Um, and, and it just, it just works for me because it, I, I personally, like, like I said, like, like you said, I like stouts, but with, I think sometimes people with stouts tend to go overboard on the ABV. For some reason, they just think it has to be stronger. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, stout, yeah, 7%. Obviously, why would you not? Um, but I think one of the problems with that is that, and then, of course, people put stuff in it all the time. So I, this is, and I say that mindful of the fact we've got coconibs and, and lactose in it as, as it's a milk stout. But 
you know, I don't, I don't have anything wrong. I don't have anything against weird and wonderful flavored beer. That's totally fine. But if you're going to put licorice in something, then you've got to be really sure that what comes out the other end is is well balanced. And I think just a lot of the time, they're not. Yeah. And I, they're, they're, I, I, I never really thought about it, but I guess stout, as well as being my favorite style, is probably the one that I'm most disappointed by most often. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, know, you get so excited by stuff, and then it's like, oh, yeah, I don't really want to drink any more than I've just had. No, I appreciate that. Um, you know, again, I, I, I do like those kind of pastry styles, but... Yeah, I tend to find you can only like have one, and a lot of the time it's you know it they aren't miss. I think it's the, you sold the kind of like um, the jazz hands, aren't you? Like oh, yes, and um, yes. you think oh maple and cherry marshmallow, yeah, you know yeah. waffle ninety nine flake stout fourteen. Yeah percent you know you yeah. think yes and get then, in and yeah yeah and then it's like and then you open it and it's like yeah i'm not having that that's no. Uh, uh no whereas I think- so i think it's yeah so we all, all of our beers we really try and make balance is key we don't always get it right not you know, nobody always gets it right but for me the way i try and describe our beers is that they should always be well balanced light versions of the style yeah so like this for you in my view i mean nobody should do anything but you should drink that and think to yourself oh that's oh yeah maybe what's that three four percent that's quite a light stout isn't it very sessionable very well balanced yeah i like that i'll have another one that that's that's how i want people to yeah think of big drop beers i'm not trying to make you think you're drinking a seven percent beer i can't you can't you just can't do that it's not possible um but as long as the beers are well balanced then and, and they, they they reflect the style then then i think we've we've done what we intended to do mm. so obviously uh big drops come quite a long way since those early days to the point where now you're you winning awards across the world i mean how does it how does it feel to have created something that people from across the world have really taken hold of um i honestly it's whenever i pause to think about it it's it's pretty fantastic obviously but um yeah i don't um yeah, i'm too busy to think about it that much <laughs> but no it is it is it is fantastic and and it's I, I, the thing that gets me more than anything else i do you know what i thought about this today is not the i like I lo- you know i love winning awards and 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 who doesn't like winning awards um but I was talking to our ops guy on email the other day, not the other day, today, and our our lager won a double gold in the, I've got it here, double gold in the European Beer Challenge last year. Lovely. Cracking. And what we like to do is not put all the awards on the beers, on the labels, because that looks a bit, yeah, you know, look at me, here I am with all my awards. It's like, yeah, just, so we pick one. If if that beer has won an award, then mm. we pick one and we put it on reasonably discreetly on the label, still so you can see it. And I, anyway, I, I emailed him and I said, I'm oh, just looking at this lager can. I've realised we don't have this European double gold on, which is that that would surely be one we should put on there. And he said, Yeah, they, we we got it, we got it after we printed these cans. And I don't know if anybody will know this. I'm sure if brewers are listening, then they'll know that with painted cans, you you have to order huge quantities yeah. before you you can get a painted can so i said to him all right okay fine 
when when are we you know when are we going to get another batch of these cans done because we need to make sure it gets on the artwork and he said um oh not 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 for a while boss because we've um we've only sold about 32,000 and i sort of paused and then i went and don't you know if you're a big brewer that's that's nothing but you know for me i was like that's our smallest selling beer in our core range and i was like you know in the last four months we've sold 32,000 whatever and it's like we sold we worked it out 20 uh tw- what year is it 2019 last year 2019 we genuinely we sold a million bottles or cans of beer and that that's what makes me just pause and go that's quite a lot of people drinking big job isn't it so that's like that's 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 the bit that just always makes me pause and go yeah well okay we're doing something proper here yeah i mean that leads nicely into my next question like how, how have you seen the the low to no alcohol category change since big drop started back in 2016 because obviously it has changed mass- massively yeah 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 um i think in terms of what you you know uh, i always say this this i'm I'm only here largely because of luck not judgment it was pure luck that we happened to have our kid when we had him and i gave up drinking you know if i hadn't quit drink for six months wouldn't even cross my mind that there might be scope for innovation in alcohol free beer um but there was when our first beer came out we were the first that was the first well, no, that's not true. Let's pause for a moment because there was Nanny State. So Brewdog were um, selling Nanny State and I think doing doing very well with it. But other than that, in terms of anything with hops in it, there wasn't anything there at all. And there was no company just dedicated to doing alcohol-free craft beer. And obviously now you, you look, what is that, four years later, and in the UK now you've you've got, I'm happy to say their names. It's you, uh, us, Nirvana, Lucky Saint, Infinite Session, Drop Bear Beers, a couple more just come out, um, Jump Ship, I think, who are just doing alcohol-free. Right. So you've got at least at least half a dozen. Then Brewdog's got quite a big range now, haven't they? And then, yeah, I think, I think the, you know, from a business perspective, the thing that used to keep me awake at night was, you, you know, other... Um, other alcohol-free craft brewers um and the fact that it doesn't keep me awake at one night anymore is no disrespect to them it's it's the fact that i think there's room in the market for mm. at least a few of, of of us and when i say us i mean just alcohol-free craft brewers rather than what has happened which i think is very interesting is you've got now Oh, so many breweries bringing out alcohol-free versions of their flagship beer. So I'm from Suffolk, so Adnams, great they, Suffolk. They were the example that was going to come to mind. Yeah, yeah. and I know the guys at Adnams, and and I like the alcohol-free Ghost Chip. I think, um, I think Fergus has done a, who's their head brewer. I think has done a, a really really good job. They use reverse osmosis. That's fine. They, you know, there's there's different ways to skin this cat. Then you've got Marston's bringing out um, low tides. And then I just saw the other day that Doombar, you get Doombar Zero now. Wow. Should you should you want it? Should you want it? Um, and then Budweiser Prohibition, Heineken Zero, you know, ev- all of that stuff came after 
the big drop stout. So the change is is astronomical. Mm. The, 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 the sector that we're playing in now didn't even exist four years ago. I mean, why do you think people have turned to mindful drinking? Um, I think, honestly, because people have worked out that alcohol isn't very good for you. <laughs> and, and I say that as, as a man who uh, enjoyed my uh, dram of Lafroy last night and uh, had a glass of wine with my steak this evening, you know, so I'm not, I never come at it from a, I don't think you should drink because I drink. It's just that, you know, I might not drink every day and, you know, if I want to, beer in the afternoon i don't have to worry at all about cracking open a big drop pale ale you know so uh, and i and i think yeah i mean if you just the alcohol consumption is declining generally around the world or you know in most parts of the world and i, th I think it's for the same reason that people are turning to veganism or flexitarianism or eating less meat or doing more exercise or you know, doing yoga or Pilates or there's a mm. whole tranche of different things that people do within this wonderful large umbrella of wellness that um, as a as a global macro trend seems to exist. And I think, you know, having decent alcohol free beer is just part of that. And, and I think I think that would have happened regardless of whether Big Drop turned up or not. And I know for a fact that we might have bought the first one to the market, but there were plenty of other people looking at it at the same time so we, we've just you know brought another component to that and and increased people's choice when yeah. it comes to you know thinking well i want a beer but I don't want alcohol what have you got mm. uh, and the answer four years ago was not very much and now it's quite a lot actually you know yeah. Well, you guys alone have got quite an extensive range. And I mean, I can see in the background there you've got uh, the Tall Boys, which are your uh, specials. So can, yeah. you, can you talk us through um, some of these one-offs you're doing and, and how? Because yeah. you've done some collaborations as well, haven't you, with like, um, was it Salt? Were they one of them? Yeah. So I always, the, the intention for me with Big Drop, one of the things I was really keen on doing was making it a proper craft brewery you know first I, I and it's like johnny saying you know no 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 the first thing you want to do is make good beer that's yep. the first thing you want to do the second thing you want to do is do it alcohol free and so i always wanted to to have it as a as a, as a craft brewery and for that reason then having a range of beer was a big part of that i didn't want to have one two or three different styles because i, I wanted to mirror to the greatest extent possible all the different styles that you might expect a craft brewery to, to put out so we've got we've got our four core beers an ipa pale ale lager and the stout and then we've got the specials we've got a brown ale got a hazelnut porter a sour a golden ale um something else i'm probably forgetting and then one of the things craft breweries do is they collaborate they produce collaboration beers and so i thought right well let's let's go and do that so we're good friends with Melissa Cole. Um, I'm sure you, you know. Oh, yeah, Melissa's great. Yeah. Um, so she helped us um, convince some of the breweries that this was a good idea. So we worked with um, Harbour, Salt, um, Forpure, uh, who actually, with Forpure, we did Black IPA, which is my favourite big drop beer ever. Um, although, unfortunately, it's now sold out, so you can't have any. Uh, I, I had that um, at Christmas 
Um, Did you? Yes, I. So I run a a very very small brewery these days called Emmanuel's, and right. um, we did a like beer and carols event at the industry tap in Sheffield. And even though okay. all my beers were on tap because I was I was um, <laughs> providing the carols, kind of like funked up festive hymns, and there right. was, I was driving all the gear. So I was like, well. I can't have any beer of mine, even though I brewed all this beer. Everyone else is like, "Oh, this is great, mate!" And I'm like, "Thanks." But Thanks. so I, I had the black IPA and the um, oh, what was it? Was it like an uh, an India Hell's the IPA? That's yeah. one we did with salt. Yeah. Both yeah, of those both. beers are absolutely banging. They, yeah, I mean, I genuinely, I'm I'm always happy to see you know I, you know, some of our beers I think are much better than others but I mean I don't we don't put anything out that's not any good but some of them are much better than others but yeah we we when we tried those two everyone at the company all all of our guys were looking at each other going this this is these are unbelievable like this this is whole other level stuff Mm -hmm. without like trying to blow my own trumpet but um yeah so we did we did those collabs and then um yeah these two the, the the these two tall boys are um yeah we're gonna bring out a couple of seasonal specials so two in the summer and two in the winter um and the first is is an ipl because you know both start their, their starts obviously that we want to fit to the season um but johnny and salt had done such a good job with with that ipl that we um we wanted to try another one um really really good but it's um i think the salt ipl was really clean crisp refreshing you know it was it was almost verging on the pills in a kind of territory but yep, with that yep. extra hopped flavor but it was it was very subtle whereas this one it's um uh when i just look at it it's uh sriracha and nelson suavin um which give you um a few more aromas than the, the salt ipl but it is it is great and then the other one is a double dry hopped ipa sort of you know we we it's nice to do the people like the big fruity ipas um and uh what have we got yeah azaka chinook mosaic and motweka it's great you know just proper chilled big fresh fruity really really good really good um so yeah that's um just just us trying to just trying to be a craft brewery really um so you, you still don't often see alcohol free beers on on draft lines although not that we're seeing many draft lines at this moment in time yeah, you don't, <laughs> don't see it at all at the moment no, no. um is i mean is that something big drop um offer and and yeah why do you think that we don't see as many alcohol free beers on over, over a bar i mean because like, again dry january you know I, I like the pub and i'd like to go mm. to the pub whenever um i just mm. i like the environment as much as obviously as much as beer so i would love to be able to go in fact i did actually in january i went to um brew dogs uh bar mm. in sheffield and had yeah. their hazy af yeah and yeah. you know and i actually felt like i was drinking a beer even though i'd yeah. kind of given up alcohol for a month so you know um why do you think you don't see him as regularly and is is there anything in particular um with with your beers do they have to be kept a certain way or is, is it literally just like put the key keg on and off you go um so there's there's a lot of moving parts to that we i mean i at, at the tail end of 2019 was saying when i was asked you know what's the next big thing for alcohol free beer i was like it will be draft it will be keg it this will happen now 
and obviously there's been a slight setback on that yes. front recently. Um, but we were going into draft um, with 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 a pretty probably I don't know if I can, I won't say who, but a, a, a very very large pub group um, with a a couple of their uh, groups, which would have given us a uh, hundred or so sites where we were on draft. Um, we were and hopefully will be stocked in Barworks, which is the small sort of really, really good group of about 15 pubs in central East London. And I, I, I just, on an ongoing basis, I remember we, we um, did and do a lot of business with Mitchells and Butlers, mm. big pub group. And I gave a talk at some conference or other, and I get I got you would get really agitated about it and you know start berating the pub groups and and the guy and actually he now works at Brewdog Ben Lockwood um, came up to me afterwards and he said no you're right we should stock it more because I was just like there's there's no excuse anymore not to give people choice not to give people options and this was back when it was just we were just doing bottles yeah but then as as it evolved over then the subsequent two years as you say with the the growth of the sector. I think the same thing was starting to apply with draft because I was saying to Johnny, is there any reason why we can't put this beer on draft? He said, no, there's, there's no reason at all because you, you couldn't, you couldn't do it in a cask. So you, you'll never get alcohol free cask beer because the alcohol content is just too low and there will be infections. But as long as the lines are well kept in the pub and as, as long as you keg it, and it's sterile filtered, which is what a lot of most beer is nowadays. Um, it's fine; it's not a problem at all. And in fact, actually, we've got an advantage over um, uh, the Heineken. You know, Heineken do Heineken Zero. Yeah. They've put millions into Heineken Zero. Um, but if you go into a pub, some pubs sell it on draft, but they have it in little linder machines off to the side of the bar so you have a little i don't even think it might just be like a 20 litre keg or something and you plug it in and then it pours it as a self-contained unit but the reason they had to do that so i am led to believe is because you can't put it in a keg and put it through the lines because the chiller will freeze it, it freezes it oh, in the right, okay so they were doing this and then constantly it was it was freezing whereas just that 0.5% of alcohol means that big drop, you can put mm. it on, on kegs. And, and our keg volume, we if we'd have carried on, our keg volume in 2019 was like 1% of our revenue. And then December, January, February, it was 20%. So that's, wow. that's just an insane increase. Um, so... Yeah, I think it it will increase. It just has to where you have to convince pubs is that obviously if you want to go onto a onto a keg onto a line, sorry, you've got to knock something else off. So you need to say to them, look, this this is economically financially this this makes sense. And what I always say to pub groups is that if you put Big Drop next to Camden Hells, we are not going to sell as much as Camden Hells. That's just that's just a fact. And we can promote it and shout about it as much as we want. That's just that's what's gonna happen. But 
what I always say, and it's like you giving your example of you being that guy in that group who wasn't drinking. What I always say is, so this is the story that I always tell is every, every, every year, me, this is a true story. Every year, me and my mates go for a curry on Easter Saturday. Um, and we've done it for 20 odd years. And sometimes there's six, you know, all from all around the country. We all meet up in Ipswich where I live. Mm. Um, and we go for a curry. Sometimes there's six of us. Sometimes there's like 25 of us. Um, but last year, um, it's about a dozen of us, but I wasn't drinking cause I had my kids the next day and I thought, yeah, if I have a couple, then I'm going to have a couple more and I'm going to regret it in the morning. So I'm just going to lay off it. Um, and the, the, the restaurant had Cobra zero, which is not brilliant. Um, and at the end of it, everyone says, should we have another drink here or should we go to the pub? And I say, I want to go to the pub. I don't want another drink here because it's not very good. So they've immediately lost a round of drinks for 12 people because one person thinks what they're offering right. is rubbish. And then the question is, where should we go? And we're in Ipswich and at the bottom of the road, and this, this is genuinely true, at the bottom of the road is one pub and at the top of the road is the other pub. And I know that at the top of the road, that pub only sells Bex Blue. And the pub at the other end of the pub, uh, sorry, at the other end of the road, sells Adnams Go Ship, Big Drop, Erdinger Alcohol Free and everything else. So I put my hand up and I say, I want to go to that pub. And everyone goes, all right, Rob, because they don't care. Because yep. they're drinking. They yep. can get a glass of wine. They can get a good beer. They can get a car scale. They can get this. They can get that. So we all go to that pub. And the only reason that pub has got 12 customers instead of none that night, obviously it's got other customers, yeah, yeah. is because it's got a decent alcohol-free offering. And the same applies and will continue to apply with with draft because if that, if that one person is not drinking and they think, God, you know what? I can go and get a pint. Then... It's not. It's not just their footfall. It's not their custom. It's everybody else that's with them. So, the other eleven people will buy a pint of Camden Hells, and one person will buy a pint of Big Drop. But the only reason you've sold that pint, those eleven pints of Camden Hells, is because you've got Big Drop on. So, it's that the, the way that we're trying to, you know, and it's just an education piece. We're just trying to say to pub groups, you know, it's choice. It's about drawing people in. What's setting you out from the crowd? What makes you different that gets people through your door? And I guess that's probably going to be even more important in the in the coming months. Um, so I still I still think that the opportunity for keg is is huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good example. And th there's something about going into a bar and 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 holding like a, a pint glass. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, um, and and the weight of it and the feel of it and and. You know, and it, and it being a normal glass, like with no disrespect to uh, Dingham alcohol free, which I actually, I actually quite like, but it, they they yeah. always serve it in the, that crazy kind of like weird bubble yeah. glass thing, yeah. and you pour it, and yeah. it's kind of like, um, do you want a flake with that? There's so much foam. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas you know, to be able to, I know when um, just to name drop another brew, uh, Thornbridge in in um, mm. January did a a stout, a milk stout, I think, which was alcohol free. And like, and I, I trekked around Sheffield specifically to find one of their pubs that had it on. Mm, um, yeah. You know, and I, I, I think you're right. I think people will do that and, and, and go for that. And it would be great to see that a lot more. Because again, um, I know if I'm, if I'm having a session, sometimes it's nice to kind of, to 
no pun intended, to drop in. Um, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, you know, a, one of your beers or another alcohol-free beer alongside the beers I'm having, just so I'm not like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. smashing smashing out all those, what was it, double well, you just, yeah, I mean, maple well, yeah. well, you start with them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, absolutely. But, or you start with it. That's the other thing as well, is I think you can, you know, if you're going out with a bunch of mates and you, you think, right, well, actually... I can I can I can look forward in time here, and I'm pretty confident I'm dropping six pints tonight. I tell you what, I'll make the first two big drop, and 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 the four of them then after that will be alcoholic. So I've given myself a runway. I don't feel hard done by, like you say, because I'm drinking it out of a pint glass. You know, somebody. My 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 dream and my vision is that we we get to the point where you can just walk into, you know, almost any pub. And you go to the bar and you say, yeah, I get a pint of Camden, a pint of Sierra Nevada and a pint of Big Drop, mate. And the person behind the bar pours those three pints into three pint glasses. You take them back to the table. You give the Big Drop to the guy who's drinking. But no, nobody comments. You're just having three pints of beer. And the fact that my beer's got 0.5% alcohol in and the Camden's got whatever Camden's got 5% in is, is neither here nor there. That's... Yeah. It doesn't doesn't strike me as a ridiculous proposition at all. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to crack open another because I don't feel bad about cracking them open on a Monday night. No, you shouldn't. No. <laughs> um, so just just while I'm doing, I'm opening the um, the Citra IPA. So to, I mean, talk me through the branding. Yeah. So I'm I'm both a, a brewer and a, a designer. So okay. Um, yeah. So this is ticking all the boxes for me. But I remember when I saw that, I was just yeah. like. I mean, I liked the branding before, but when I saw that, I was like, that is just, I know it's quite simple, but it just looks really lush. I mean, talk me through why the decision to change the branding and, and um, um, just if so any stories behind it. or The branding that we had, um, sorry, the branding that we had before was done by... Um, that the artwork was done by a Suffolk artist, Suffolk, obviously being the county where I live. Yep. Um, and um, we really liked it. It, it was, you know, I, I, again, I thought it had this this nice sort of. I've always tried to go. We always try and pitch it as mainstream craft. We, we're never doing, you know, apart from the fact that it's all alcohol free. We're not doing stuff that's weird and wacky and you yeah. know out there and crazy. You know, we this this is mainstream craft, and I'm very, you know, unapologetic, if indeed not proud of that. Um, but because we were, and we are um, expanding into, we you know we're all over Scandinavia and the Netherlands. We're going into Australia, Canada, and hopefully the US. Actually, having branding that that is tied, however we didn't chat we didn't we didn't say we're a suffolk brewery because we don't brew any beer in suffolk for a start right um you know but but having branding that was tied to suffolk we felt was um was distracting from what we were trying to do um and and so we we went to an agency um very simply my my business partner is a amongst many things um but is a is a graphic designer so he had designed the very first labels of big job um which um, were then changed to the artworked one. So he went in and sat down with this design agency. But but yeah, you know the, the brief was it's it, it needs to be 
you need to be accessible mainstream craft um and the guys at the agency sat there and they said i'd learned you'll know this word if you're a designer but rebus i'd never heard of the word rebus mm. so they said you know you've you've got this big drop that's your rebus you you don't need to do much more than that yep. it's a big drop um so um yeah we just yeah clean crisp not too busy and the, and and going back to on draft what i really want my other dream i have so many but the other dream is that you walk into the pub you see the drop you don't need to know anything else that's alcohol free beer so again it goes to this this sort of you're talking about you know the psychological um um sort of hurdles or or barriers that people have when they're drinking alcohol free beer you know you don't want to be the person that stood there with the bottle that screams alcohol free or be given the funny glass or whatever you know you walk into the pub you see the drop and you think ah that's good quality alcohol free beer i'll have a pint of big drop and and just in terms of a visual key a visual icon that that drop works yeah really well for us that's yeah that's interesting i um i talked to a um i talked to the owner of a local brewery in sheffield called bradfield so i mean they're they're based on a farm from like i think it's like 2004 or something like that they set up and um they, they make really traditional cascales like blondes and bitters mm. and stuff they sell regionally so or sort of down into the midlands and all the way up, up north from sheffield where i'm based um and I remember the owner saying to me, "Is like um, I've I've never been very good at reading and writing, um, but I, I wanted some of that. I could just identify by its shape with a cow on it. So uh, it, so they, they got this funny shape and he put a cow on it. And so and and so me and my mates going to put up and like I want one of them, <laughs> you know. And it's it's, it's like, I'm like man, I've really I've come out into the sticks here. It's, it's only a couple of miles from my house, but um, but you know, it's it's yeah, it's that thing where it's it's you know." Um, when you it's 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 branding isn't it it's like if you see um, the green mermaid or the golden archers you, you know exactly yeah. what it is you know and, yeah. and and what it stands for yeah um and yeah again as as, as a designer when when i saw it you know i thought it looks great i mean this is the first time i've, I've seen it because um in, in the flesh so to speak um right but the um the the it's very shiny I like it. it's just all those little tensions to details you know it's, it's, yeah it's, i think they 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 did a really good job on it we, i mean we're really we're we're really happy with it um and yeah just i mean I, I, yeah my my hope is that it does translate around around the world um because i think it's it's, it's quite it's quite tricky with design and this is what my business partner james says and our, our commercial director nick is that if you if you look at some of the branding that some of the u.s breweries use we 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 do it quite differently over here you know mm. we're I, I hesitate to use the words you know ahead of of anything because design is design and branding is branding if it works in that country that that's what they want that's fine but I think it would be quite difficult. I, I, obviously, I wouldn't name them at all. That would be terrible. But they, they made good beer. They were a, there was an American brewery, and they'd come over to a, a drinks trade show in the UK, 
and I, you know, I was walking around and I was shooting the breeze with people and I stopped by this stand and I started chatting to them and I tried the beer and it was really good beer. And they were like, yeah, you know, we're here because we had some chats with people and we thought we might come over and see if there was any scope in the UK market for importing or whatever. And I just looked at the branding and I just thought, not in a million years, hmm. mate, you, you know, because that might work over there where you're from and that's fine. And that I'm sure that serves you really well. But this is this stands out like a sore thumb in a really bad way. Yeah. Um, and and I didn't want. So I'm hoping. I mean, who knows? We we're not in the US yet. Um, but I'm I'm hoping that this this branding is um, suitably uncontroversial without being bland in any way. You know, it's just it's it's clean, crisp. Like you say, it's obvious what brand it is and what it's doing. I'm hoping it will be, it will be all right. We'll see. We'll see. Mm. Speak to me in a year. <laughs> yeah. So, um, talk to us a little bit about your crowdfunding campaign because you, you managed to raise over six hundred thousand pounds. What I mean, what Did. was that? What was that experience like? And what lessons have you learned about crowdfunding? Because there's a bit of a stigma, a, a negative stigma surrounding crowdfunding when it comes to breweries in light of yeah. um, <laughs> certain London breweries like Hop Stuff. Um, yeah. You know, so like, how how have you found it? And you know, did, does that go through your mind when you thought, well, we need to raise some cash and all the rest of it? Um, I mean, we we raised plenty of investment prior to the the crowdfunding round um through friends and family and then business angels and high net worth individuals the usual the usual route that you that you go down and and the next step on that investment journey was was a crowdfunding round and i'd been speaking to private equity people and venture capital people and and actually what was interesting what they said was and what i now understand is that even five years ago, crowdfunding was seen as the, maybe not five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly was the route that businesses went if they couldn't raise money the proper way in inverted commas. So, you know, if a business was worthy of investment, you would go to a venture capitalist. You wouldn't Mm. crowdfund. Crowdfunding was for businesses that couldn't raise money from professionals. But what they said now is that actually a crowdfunding round is actually seen by the professionals as, the, the next step it's like a staging ground it's almost like proof of concept yeah it's uh, do you do you have people who drink your beer you know that's you know who are they are they willing to put their money where their mouth is you, you know and so it was the next stage on our journey and and frankly it's it's quite nice to have I th- I, I, there's there's many many hundreds of of investors through the the crowdfunding platform and and it's quite nice to have a bunch of people that you know you know a have a level of confidence in your brand and business that they're willing to put their hand in their pocket to to support that's nice but also it's it's nice to have hundreds of hopefully brand ambassadors you know who will buy big drop from our online shop and then tell their mates and say you know no you don't need to drink that anymore that's rubbish try try this you know drink this one or you know, oh yeah, okay. You're trying to cut down a bit. What you know, you you want to try this? You've you've got many hundreds of people doing that. Um, so that was that. That's that's nice to to know as well. Um, and I think we, as with all these things, we were we were fortunate 
in our timing in as much as we started it pre-lockdown. Yeah. Um, and then we had we had enough of a headwind behind us that even though the lockdown and the pub closures did happen um, before we closed around, we had um, we had enough momentum and enough. Um, we we had some um, the the former global president of Molson Coors came in, stuck a bit of money in, and is is a is an informal advisor to us now. So I think people were looking at it as well, going, "Ah, oh, right, okay." So you know, regardless of what you think about Coors Light, um, they uh, they they know how to um, to sell beer. So if this guy thinks it's a it's a good bet, then um, then maybe I'll have a go as well. <laughs> yeah. So we had, um, yeah, we had enough of a enough of a headwind to take us across the finish line. Mm. So how's Big Drop being affected by COVID nineteen? What, what sort of impact has it had on your business? Um, it's really, I mean, it's really difficult, isn't it, for for anybody who is trying to sell beer to have one of your biggest sales channels being the on trade shut down overnight and it literally was overnight wasn't it yep i think the announcement was you know 12 o'clock and it was like right it's last orders at five and then that's it you're done um so we did we we've not made anybody redundant but we we did furlough our um on trade sales staff so we had sales reps um and sales managers so we we did put them on furlough um but then what it forced us to do, like we're not unique in this, like every other business I'm sure in the country, if not the majority of the world, is you suddenly focus on other sales channels and, and that was e-commerce for us. Um, we'd never, much like I'd never particularly wanted to build a brewery, I'd never particularly wanted to build a, a business model where we were selling direct to consumers because at the beginning it was only me. As I said, I had a full-time job and a young kid so i didn't have time to sit in my garage packing boxes yep. to ship out to people so we were using third-party websites so we'd never we'd never done it we'd never paid things like amazon much attention we'd used them but you know the fact that they were doing what they were doing in terms of revenue wasn't the major issue because we were focusing you know in a large part on the on-trade um but Happily, my business partner James, as well as being a graphic designer, is also a techie. So he built us a, an online shop in in the space of about two weeks, and we had our best month ever last month. I would imagine as well because uh, when when the lockdown first happened, it was like do you know, do you know um, that period between Christmas and New Year where it's like I wish it could be Christmas every day. It's like well, you know, it kind of felt like that. It kind of felt like you know, um, yeah, you know, and, and I, I know um, a lot of people were kind of like, yeah, oh, it's it's Wednesday afternoon. It's three o'clock. Let's crack out the yeah. West Coast IPAs. You know, yeah. it's Thursday. Yeah. It's Groundhog Day, and then after a bit, it's kind of like, you know, oh, I kind of want a beer, but I can't be drinking all the time because you know. And then, yeah. so I, I could understand why maybe people are turning to you know beers like your beers as well. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, and I actually, my my personal experience was exactly the same. I think the first three weeks. I, I was drinking a ridiculous amount of beer because like you say, it's like, it's Wednesday afternoon, but might as well be Saturday afternoon, you know, doesn't, doesn't matter. And as you know, I'm, I'm doing one day, as I said to you earlier, one day on and one day off with my young kids sharing childcare with my wife. I'll leave you to decide which I view as the day on and the day off. But um, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm sat upstairs in my 
home office, you know, and it's three. I'm like, oh, I've got the kids tomorrow. Yeah, so I'm going downstairs. I'm getting a beer because I'm not having any beer tomorrow. So I'm going to go and drink. So yeah, first three weeks I drank way too much, and then after that, as you say, you just think, okay, all right, this looks like it's going on for a while here. This this is a, <laughs> this is a bad idea. Let's uh, let's knock it on the head for a bit, or uh, yeah. I think drink it was that novelty, wasn't it? Um, at first, I mean, I was at Seba mm. Beer X in Liverpool just before the lockdown happened. It was all like elbow bumps and all the rest of it, yeah. you know. And and yeah. and Seba were great about like guidelines, you know, particularly with like the Cheltenham Festival happening that week where mm. it was terrible. But you know, it was, it was all very much about you know you you not to share beers, keep, keep your hands clean, etc. etc. Yeah. But it it all felt like a novelty, and yeah. And then when it happened, it was having those beers on a, a Tuesday afternoon does feel like a novelty. But yeah, yeah. In, in it for the long haul. So, I mean, how yeah. how do you see the the brewing and hospitality industry panning out over the next few years, particularly in light of what's happening? Um, I think you know we're all hoping for for the vaccine, obviously, but um, I think. I think it's, it sounds like it's been, and I'm sure it has been, very difficult for small breweries that haven't been able to pivot to, you know, an e-commerce platform. Because there's there's 13 of us at Big Drop now, full time, although some of those guys were on furlough. So we've got, you know, I've got a head of ops, I've got some finance function, I've got tech, I've got sales, I've, I've got everything I need to do it quite quickly. But I think for the very small guys it, it's really really difficult to to get that sales channel and especially when you know one of the good things about big drop when i talked about us moving away from our roots in suffolk just being purely from where we're from we've never talked about provenance as being the thing that sets us apart mm. in the world of beer Whereas, of course, for craft, generally speaking, provenance is almost the first thing you talk about. And if it's not the first, it's the second or third. So if you're, there's a fantastic brewery called Burnt Mill in Suffolk. Oh, and they, gosh, Burnt Mill are great. <laughs> yeah, they just, they make amazing beers. And I must admit, I, because I'm terrible at so I have no idea what social media is. So I don't have any idea what they're doing or how they're doing it. Um, but I, I think. You know, their, their operation was probably a bit smaller than theirs, or hopefully is. We're still going, hopefully. Um, and I think that difficulty will continue. Seba um, look like they're doing some really interesting, innovative stuff with, you know, building their own e-commerce platforms that these guys, that, that small breweries can, can hop onto, which is great. Um, so I think, you know, people are always going to drink beer. I think this is, you know, at the end of the day, people will always drink beer. Yep. I think clever people, smart people just need to work out how to get that beer into people's hands. I think the pub, I think the pub industry is, is, is fundamental, obviously completely different. And yeah, I mean, they're talking about reducing the social distancing to a meter, aren't they? Just because mm. otherwise the majority of pubs just cannot function at all and i query um how small pubs particularly um can make that work you know i think you know the weatherspoons as an example usually occupy very significant footprints um but you know the one of the best pubs in ipswich is called the arcade tavern it's tiny pub craft beer brilliant 
brilliant pub and they couldn't do that they've got there's yeah. an area outside where you can sit they, they you know you've got they've got half a dozen benches or so but I'm, I'm sure they've thought about it and hopefully they'll work something out, but I imagine that is going to be very, very difficult for them yeah. um, in, in the short to, to medium term. Um, and and um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that looks like, but I think it will be very, very difficult times ahead for, for pubs particularly, I think. Yeah. Well, th- thanks for being on the show and uh, bringing our listeners up to speed with where Big Drop Brewing Co are. Uh, are at in 2020 um for, for no. our listeners how how can they get hold of your beers and find out more uh it is as simple as the website so it is um bigdropbrew.com not brewing bigdropbrew.com um and if you go there there is in the top right hand corner a, it says uk store and there you can get um pretty much if, if we've got it in stock you can you can get it on that store uh, so that's where you can get the the widest range and if you follow us on various forms of social media then uh we do throw out the odd discount code every now and again to uh to get people interested and, and get buying i think there's a hot forward discount code um set up as well oh, so i would be even i would better. be disappointed if there wasn't yeah <laughs> there you go so brilliant rob thank you very much no problem thank you very much for having me on today's episode of the hop four podcast was proudly brought to you by ssv limited from tanks to full brew houses ssv limited has got you covered in just five short years ssv limited have established themselves as your go-to partner to help you grow or launch your brewery high quality tanks parts brewing kit knowledge and experience to ensure your project runs smoothly from beginning to completion their online part shop stocks well over a thousand essential brewing parts to ensure your brewery is kept up and running with the majority available on next day delivery. Visit their web shop on store.ssvlimited.co.uk That's store.ssvlimited.co.uk and place your order today. Thanks for tuning in to the Hot 4 podcast this week. Don't forget, we're here to help you get ahead in the brewing and beer business. So hit the subscribe button for more insights into the beer industry. Connect with us at hotforward.beer or through our social media channels at hotforwardbeers. Until next time, cheers.